Welcome to Motherhood in Black, where we discuss all things parenthood from the unique black perspective of a millennial mother, growing, learning, and unlearning on this journey of motherhood. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Motherhood in Black. Now, as I mentioned before in my introduction episode, this episode was recorded two and a half years ago back in October or November of 2018 and I got to interview a soror that I met on Instagram and I think we became connected because we crossed at the same time and um, I've been following her for a while and I knew that she had lost her child after being pregnant. All right so Welcome to our guest we have for the podcast today. We have Quinn. So we're going to go ahead and allow hi. her to introduce herself and share some information. Okay. Uh, hi, my name is Quinn. Uh, poetically, I go by Quinnology. I'm a poet, a spoken word artist, a playwright, and an author from Southwest Chicago. I perform like everywhere <laughs> um, from <laughs> Chicago to like the Midwest University tours. So like the University of Cincinnati, University of Dayton, uh, Miami University, University of Cincinnati Blue Ash. And I performed in California, California State, University of Monterey Bay, uh, to Germany this past summer. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> and I am coming out with a book Yay! Um, on my birthday, which is called Anshu Will. And I, this is my second book. The first book I caught, wrote was called And She Wrote. So it's kind of like this, it's almost like a series of And She Wrote and And She Will. Okay. Um, and this book is pretty much like detailing my warrior story, as I like to say, uh, dealing with healing, um, overcoming trauma. Um, but I also like recognizing uh, how resilience is something that is passed down uh, mm-hmm. from within your family. Um, I know some of that motivates me. Very much so is like if one of my siblings or my family members or my mom would do something similar, then I know I can too. Um, so this book really uh, details that it's just a collection of short poems, 32 poems. Child loss, miscarriages, stillbirths, infant deaths are not something that people talk about in general, but especially not in the black community. So I thought that this was a topic that needed to be discussed. When I recorded this episode, I was in the infancy of my podcast, so I really didn't have a format, and Quinn and I really just clicked when we got on the phone, and I just let her share her story. I didn't really have too much input, but I just wanted to give her the space to share her story, and I thank her for being so open and willing to share it. It is coming to you all two and a half years later, but it's a story that needs to be shared and heard nonetheless. So here is Quinn sharing her story about the stillbirth of her son, David Quentin. It was roughly around September when I found out uh, I was pregnant. I I just started grad school at Columbia College. I was going for my master's in public affairs reporting. And I just started dating uh, this really nice guy at the time. And um, I remember because I... The week leading up to that, I was, like, passing out, um, and I was under lots of stress, like, I was, oh, I was wow. trying to move out of my mom's house and everything else like that, and mm-hmm. I just thought, um, like, it was because I wasn't really eating, you know, because nobody really has time to eat, you know, when you broke. Right. So, <laughs> I was like, okay, babe, it's because I haven't been eating, so whatever. 
Um, and I went to Planned Parenthood downtown, and uh, I went in there. I was just, I just remember I was just like, you know, nervous because um, mm-hmm. I didn't call my period in a minute. And that's when the lady came in and she said, "I'm sorry, you know, you're pregnant." Like she literally said exactly like that. So oh, I wow. just started busting out of tears. I started busting out of tears and thinking like, "Oh my God, like what's my mom gonna say? What's my mom gonna mm-hmm. think?" And um, I met up with my boyfriend. We met, like, in KSC, and I told him, and his face just, like, lit up. And he was like, wow, this is great news. Like, you know, oh, I'm wow. going to be a father. Um, and, right, so I'm just looking at him like, okay, <laughs> are you, do you understand, like, what this means? Right. Um, which I, in, in retrospect, I don't think, in retrospect, I actually found out later that he uh, really just responded like that because he knew uh he knew that if he responded truthfully, which is like the scared response, like anybody else would feel, right. um, I would have been more scared. So we decided, uh, first I was going back and forth in terms of, I wasn't, um, not in terms of keeping the child, like having an abortion. I was thinking about giving it mm-hmm. up for adoption. Oh, okay. Um, and I had a long conversation with my pastor, uh, Pastor Moss, before, this is all before I told my mom. So we told uh-huh. uh, his parents, I told <laughs> wow. my cousin. And I talked to my pastor, and I was just like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm in grad school. And, you know, he was just like, go with your heart. Like, what does God, you know, really want you to do? And something right. was really telling me, like, no, this is your son. Right. So I we decided um, to tell my mom together. And, of course, you know, she responds like any other, you know, black mom do does. Like, you know, this is what happens, you know, when you lay up with some boy. <laughs> yeah. Yes, typical um, black mom. <laughs> right. Because, you know, I'm not married. Right, um, yeah. You know, so she's, Same you know, here. she's responding out of, like, yeah, so she's responding out of, like, fear and, like, concern. Like, I don't want and, you know, I felt like she was disappointed by me, like, mm-hmm. really throughout, like, the pregnancy. Um, oh, wow. So the pregnancy so, continued, you know, and um, the family, because I had just started dating on my ex at the time, the family mm-hmm. didn't really know each other, right? And so that was, that was another, um, I started essentially, like, living with his family um, mm-hmm. for the majority of the pregnancy because, you know, we were officially family by then. Like, he right. <laughs> get rid of me. <laughs> right, um, we're stuck. <laughs> and he, right, and so he proposed to me um, September. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, no, October, I'm sorry, October, like, the next month. But I uh, still had this taste in my mouth that knew it wasn't really for real. Like, I knew... Um, we had, I knew we had to be together, but I didn't know if you really wanted to be with me. Mm-hmm. And during that time, like, um, our relationship was very, yeah, uh-huh. it was just, I think, very manipulative. Um, uh-huh. and he was a young man that was still trying to figure out his purpose or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was in this place where he was still being defined by other people and in Chicago mm-hmm. as a creative like, it's very easy to fall into that trap, like, okay, I need verification from other people, right. you know, to know that my poetry is good, to know that my music is good, and mm-hmm. that's where he was at, um, and because I loved him so much, I I did, I gave him more um, than I ever did to myself or to anybody to make sure mm-hmm. that he knew he was valuable, make sure he knew he was needed, um, right. and he didn't really recognize how much I was giving, Um but I knew how much I was giving because I always felt, like, depleted. Um, mm. And he cheated on me a couple of times. But you were um, pregnant? Yes. While I was pregnant, he cheated on me a couple of times. Um, mm. 
was on a few of those, like, dating apps. And some people, you know, they're like, oh, my significant other's on dating app is messaging people. You know, it's not that deep, but um, wow. it hurt. Like, it hurt. Yeah. It hurt, like, a lot. Um, so going through that, like I told you, I also felt, um, dis- I felt like I disappointed a lot of people mm-hmm. um, by being pregnant um, without being married. Like, I wrote a whole article for Insider mm-hmm. about it. And I got a lot of, like, responses from family members, like, wow, like, you had a baby out of wedlock, you know, like, because, you know, I grew up in the church, and so right. one, the, the first thing that people responded, like, was like, what? Like, Quinn is having sex? And then it's like, what? Like, <laughs> Quinn had a baby? You know, and um, I remember, like, uh, my mom, she was like, you know, what, you know, what your followers going to think? Um, you know, you're changing, you know, uh, you're changing a lot. And mm-hmm. I'm like, huh? Like, you know, it's almost like she didn't think I was still inspiring women um, right. to be themselves, like, based off my artistry. So I was, my whole pregnancy, um, on top of that, I'm also diabetic. Mm-hmm. So stress, stress is never, is never good. So dealing right. with my toxic relationship, trying to get our families to come together as one, uh-huh. um, and then dealing with, like, stuff with my own mother. And um, I don't have a close relationship with my father, so I mm-hmm. got my father um, or my older sister. And so this was uh, the baby. I thought was something that I thought could bring, you know, essentially everybody together. And right, <laughs> uh, it didn't really turn out that way. So it was like a lot of stress, a lot of stress. Every appointment that I went to, the doctors was like, "Wow, you have such a healthy son!" And mm-hmm. wow, do you hear his heartbeat? Like wow, like he's growing amazingly. Like my my sugars were, I was, like, labeled as pre-diabetic, coming from, like, uh, type 2 diabetes. I was labeled as pre-diabetic during my pregnancy. My mm. sugars were going great. All the doctor's appointments were going great. It was like my son was, like, able to, uh, able to, like, not absorb any of the mess. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> all right. It's blocking like, it all out. Like, literally. Yeah, he was blocking out. It was like he was literally a living miracle. And so we had the baby shower. Um, in February, like February 16th, mm-hmm. um, and it was really beautiful. Like we had a sports queen baby shower because, you know, unfortunately gender stereotypes in retro. Right, right. It was <laughs> <laughs> we always fall so, to We can't resist. <laughs> I, I, I just really wanted, at first I was going to do the Lion King baby shower, but um, his parents, uh, they were able to rent out a gym. And so my mom was like, oh, why are you making a sports game shower? And she's, like, really smart and, like, really creative. And so mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, like, it makes sense, you know. And so the baby shower was actually, like, the ideal family event that mm-hmm. I would have wanted. Like, because both of our families, you know, were there together. They were finally able to meet. Like, my pastor came. And there was a dancer. It was a really nice cake. And there was just, like, an abundance of, like, love. Like, me and my ex's relationship. Um, we're still, like, on the low. Like, we were still trying to do, like, couples therapy and couples counseling, you know, whatever. And up until that point, he actually um, said that he didn't want to get married anymore. Um, but mm-hmm. I still wore the ring, you know, like, for show. Um, and oh. I was still trying to um, I was still trying to convince him why I am a good <laughs> companion, which is something I that understand that. Do. <laughs> yeah, well, I've been there so, before, girl. Um, <laughs> So essentially February 27th um, was the final appointment that I was supposed to attend. And because when you're diabetic, 
typically, uh, based on, like, statistics, that like, your baby's supposed to be, like, really, really heavy, and they want you to go through a C-section instead of giving birth. But my son uh, was perfect. Like, he, I didn't have to go through um, a C-section. Um, and the appointment I went to on February 27th was going to determine, like, oh, the final measurement. Because, um, like I said, everything up to the point was, like, literally fine. Like, there wasn't... I never felt any pain. If anything, like, I was, like, my healthiest when I was pregnant. Wow. Because um, the only thing that he liked me to eat was, like, chicken, potatoes, and, like, I love, like, my mom's broccoli, broccoli and cheese. But I really love, like, chicken, like, meat and vegetables. Mm-hmm. I was the only thing I ate. Um, so February 27th um, was the day, and I remember I was laying down, you know, on the ultrasound table, um, mm-hmm. and the lady, she was asking me how the baby shower went. She was just, like, doing it right away with the jelly on the belly and everything mm-hmm. else like that. And then once she was finished, she said, okay, Miss Riley, I need you to stay here. Um, I have to go get uh, the chief radiologist. And I said, why? She said, oh, I'm not at liberty to stay. I'm just a tech. I said, oh, okay. Uh, and so I'm just laying back down. I'm like, okay, everything's fine. I'm thinking, you know, that more worst case right. scenario, I'm going to have to have a C-section you know, like, right. which to be, at that time, I didn't care either way. So he right. comes in, and he's a guy I've never seen before. And he said, Miss Riley, um, when's the last time you felt your son move? And this is on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, so yesterday, like literally Monday, I stayed at home all day. Um, and I was watching Walmart, SEU. I was eating home running pizzas. <laughs> and I remember feeling my son, like, move. Um mm-hmm. And I remember when I woke up for the appointment, I was actually running late for that appointment. My brother dropped me off. And I remember feeling him move, like, in the morning. Like, he always kicked. I can. I used to play in my, in my stomach uh-huh. with the piano, and uh-huh. he would, like, respond back. And so I did that that morning. Um, uh-huh. And so I said, yeah, I saw him move this morning. And he said, well, uh, your son's heartbeat is no longer beating. And I looked at him, and I'm really confused, like, what? And I guess I was like he spoke a whole different language to me. I said, what? He right. said, the heartbeat, like he doesn't have a heartbeat anymore. And he turned to the screen, and I still wasn't looking at the screen. I was looking at him, and I started looking at my stomach, mm-hmm. and I just started, like, tapping it, and then I didn't, there was no response. Fast forward, essentially, uh, I, they had to induce me into labor, and I was in labor for three days. The first person I had called to the hospital was, like, my mom. And then I, uh, she told, like, the rest of the family, and then I called my ex. And once my ex came in, I just felt, like, the ultimate sort of shame um, and embarrassment. Because, you know, up until that point, I was trying to convince them, like, oh, we have to be together for the baby. We're going to have this baby together, you know, and stuff like that. Um, right. Come to find out, like, you know, the baby isn't here, surprisingly. Oh. Again, even from, like, the first time he responded and I told him about the baby, he never left my side in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like this whole new type of man, essentially that I never actually experienced in our entire relationship. But like he was feeding me, you know, he had to clean me. He was making sure that uh, every sort of comfort, like I felt, he spent like the entire time like in the hospital. He never ever left the room. Wow. Um, and so when the baby was born. Uh, March 1st at 4.42 a.m., like, uh, I just remember hearing, like, this annoying, it was, it was almost like this quick, like, 30, no, it, was, it felt like forever, 
um, mm-hmm. giving birth. But, like, there was this moment where, like, I almost didn't want to give birth to him because I felt like once he was finally, like, out of me, like, I knew I had to let him go. Mm-hmm. And so there was a part of me that was like, no, 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 like, I don't actually give birth to him. Like, can I just stay, right. you know, like, with him just a little bit longer? Um, right. But then once I did push him out, he came out. And it was just, like, so silent. And the, my OB guy, um, he was supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. So I had some other guy who was, like, so rude. But I think he was rude because he knew, like, okay, anger is what's going to help me, like, keep pushing, you know, through contractions and everything else like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but after the baby was finished, he, like, you know, took off his gloves and he was, like, prepared to walk out because, you know, the baby was dead. So there, I think, mm-hmm. like, to him, he was like, oh, ain't nothing I can do. And right. the nurses, they started, like, you know, cleaning him off. Like, they started essentially doing a routine. And I remember the nurses asked me, like, do you want to hold him? And I just initially said, no, I, I can't even, like, bear to look at him. Mm-hmm. Like, again, this whole time I was waiting, like, the whole half, nine months I was waiting right. to finally meet him. And I feel like I just, I failed him. So, mm-hmm. um, fortunately, my mom was there taking, like, the pictures that she could stomach to take and everything else like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we slept March 2nd. I remember, like, I woke up, and I was just kept looking at because they kept, they were able to let my son, like, still stay, like, in the incubator, um, mm-hmm. like, in the room with me. Mm-hmm. And then um, I remember my ex, he said, you know, why did they keep him in here with us? Why didn't they just take him away? And I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm glad that they, they kept him in here because I haven't told him. I said, could you get him for me? And then he, you know, did a huff and puff, and that's when he started turning into, like, who I knew. Um, right. And he picked him up for me, and, and, like, he was so heavy, and he was so strong. He was 6 pounds and 13 ounces. Wow. And I was just looking at him. I was like, oh, my God. Like, he had so much hair. His finger, his fingernails was, like, entirely beautiful. And, like, I never knew that I that I could actually make something beautiful. Like, I don't, but this whole time, like, I felt not only insecure because, really insecure because of my relationship. So I was mm-hmm. insecure of who I was physically. Like, I grew up heavy set. Mm-hmm. Family members called me heavy set. And, like, I was a thick one. I like my mom's children. Like, I always had the eczema. And then when I got diabetes, it was almost just like, oh, okay, not only is she just, like, fat, and she has a zero-rose neck, but she has a disease, you know? So I just yeah. always felt ugly. And so when I got pregnant, I was like, oh, my God, like, you know, now I'm the fat, you know, daughter that got pregnant with diabetes. And so I was just like, okay, my son, you know, is not going to be cute. Like, he, uh-huh. he's going to end up being, you know, too big and whatever. And God, you know, really showed me otherwise. And my son showed me otherwise. Like, no, you're actually freaking gorgeous. And you've <laughs> made something so beautiful. Yes. Um, and my son was able to finally show me um what God can do for me. So um, they took him away that day because uh, we asked for an autopsy. And I didn't get the autopsy results until, like, what, a couple of months ago? Mm-hmm. Um, and the autopsy results were still unclear. They still don't know what happened. Um, so that was just, like, not a help. But um, my fiancé wanted us to uh, have him incinerated. Um, mm-hmm. So the funeral preparation and stuff was really all a blur. I just remember, like, agreeing to whatever my fiancé wanted, which, you know, once again was me still trying to, like, please him 
or right. whatever. We had his service. Like March 17th, and it was a really good service, and a lot of my family came, but none of my ex's family came. Wow. And come to find out, it was because his parents felt that we shouldn't have had service for him, that that was almost like devil worshiping or something stupid. What? Um, And so, yes, so the day after the service, I spent the night, the day after the service, I spent the night in his house. Mind you, like, his mom was on that with me like after she found out the baby had passed like it was almost like their family just cut me off you know and it's just weird because like when him and I originally started dating his family couldn't get enough of me like they were just like oh you're my daughter you know whatever back to the baby they're just like oh uh can you go home like do you need to be here you know whatever um the day after the service um he essentially had to sneak me into the house (laughs) oh I heard his parents talking about, like, why would she have a service? Like, that's some devil worshiping. Like, I don't understand. Why don't they just let that baby go? And, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, his mom just going off on, I don't like her for you. you know, oh, my God. The church. On a <laughs> I wish so you could see my face out, right you know. now. I'm just, like, in yeah. shock. Well, listen, it does make it crazy. <laughs> okay, so, all right. Out. He, so he, hid me, he hid me in the closet. So I come out the closet. Um, and he's like, he's like, you know, we should go. And I said, no, we need to talk to your parents like now. Like I'm a, I'm a very confrontational person. I don't know if it's the Delta in me or what, but now, <laughs> like, if you say anything to me, like crazy, like we're going to have to talk it out, like period. Like you cannot, I cannot sit and stand by, especially when somebody disrespects my son, like, right. no, like I and we need to talk this out. And so he's like, no, Quinn, we shouldn't. have said, no, we shouldn't talk this out. Call them, let them know I'm here, and we want to talk. Mm-hmm. So he sends a text. They come back from church because his parents, his dad is a pastor, his mom is a first lady. They're like, oh, hi, Quinn. I'm like, hi. Um, and, I, and he's like, my ex is like, yeah, so we essentially just wanted to, you know, hash some things out, figure what's going wrong. And I say, yes, like I feel as if you guys have been on that with me, essentially feel some type of way, you know, since the baby you know, whatever, and uh, his dad initially says, I don't have anything against you, which I believe, you know, his dad starts saying, like, um, you know, I feel as if things could have been better at the shower. Because, you know, like I said, I thought that shower was perfect, but they were like, oh, you know, Quinn, you never introduced us properly to, like, your grandparents, or you never actually took the time to introduce us to your cousin. And I'm like, so you wanted me to walk around and introduce everybody to you at the shower when y'all could just Introduce yourself. <laughs> right. So I was just like, Hi. yeah, bro. I was, I had like, Hi. I had um, like so many like out of town friends doing like stores that were coming out. So I was making sure like all my friends were like well taken care of and right. my family. Like I didn't even think about making it priority to introduce the folks. And so I said, yeah, I agree. I, you know, I just agreed because I'm being respectful, you know, whatever. And then his mom, you know, she just, she was like, she said, you know, I feel as if God cut the cord. God cut the cord. I said, huh? And then she said, well, once God took your baby, you know, he cut the cord on your relationship. Y'all are not supposed to be together. And I Ooh. said, what? Ooh. So it was just like silence. I'm getting up, and I'm walking towards her. And I said, what did you say? And so he starts pulling me back. His dad starts pulling me back. And I'm like, I ain't about to hit her. I didn't make sure I heard exactly what she said. And then she said, I said what I said. God cut the cord. And I said, wow, like, this is crazy. This is crazy. Wow. Like I said, this is a lot. I said, I think, I think I should go, you know, and um, I started getting my stuff 
And then my ex, you know, he's defending me. And he's like, no, you shouldn't have said that. You know, you know, the funeral was just yesterday. Right. And, you know, she's like, well, you know, she asked how I felt. You know, whatever. And it's like, it's even crazy that she said that because, like I said, she was calling her daughter and everything. Mm-hmm. But she also lost. She had a miscarriage. Uh, mm. She also, she also, they also lost their son, uh, their youngest son, like a couple of years ago. So it was just crazy that right. her to allow herself to say something like that to a grieving mother. Right. And I was just like, wow, that, so that happened in March. And so literally the rest of March, leading into April, I was, we were, our relationship was like on a much, much thinner string because now his family was officially like on that with me. Like they did not right. want us to be together. Um, he couldn't come over to my house anymore. He couldn't even really say, like, he was hanging out with me because his mom was like, why are you going to choose this girl over me? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and he essentially was put in a position of choosing. So I um, made a permanent decision on April 17th. Um, and I just I had to go into some deep therapy. <laughs> My mom and I, we have a really, really good relationship now. Um, I have a really good relationship with uh-huh. a lot of my family members. And my family really, really, really came through. And this, this is a uh-huh. wonderful story about listening to your mother the first time. <laughs> this is <very laughs> told a cautionary this tale. Told, yeah, right. I always listen to your mom. But no, seriously, like, like, he warned me, and I didn't listen. And, um, but I also just, like, knowing when you have to overcompensate for love, bro, like, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not, unfortunately, it's not meant to be, like, right. and everybody was telling me, even, like, the first couple times that he cheated, the first couple times he lied, I remember each time he lied, I went to my little sister, my little sister, oh, and she's wow. like, girl, like, why are you still with him? Mm-hmm. And I was like, because, like, you know, he, because, you know, he's involved in the shit, you know, on this scene, you know, he's a talented guy, you know, an mm-hmm. activist, I'm an activist organizer, you know, it was just like, I thought, it was a match made, you know, in heaven. So right. Like, she's like, no, like, maybe I should take a break, take some time. And, you know, I just didn't listen to nobody. I thought I could change people. Mm-hmm. It really isn't the case. Wow. What an impactful story Quinn had. Again, I'm so thankful for her being open and willing to share her story with me and with my listening audience. This is definitely a heavy topic to discuss and her story is more than just about her losing her son. There are a lot of there are a lot of pieces to her that go in with losing her son and dealing with an abusive relationship and family not being supportive and taking care of her mental health and also dealing with, you know, the negative feelings of other people, especially as it relates to religion and being pregnant when you're not married. So I can definitely relate to Quinn on a lot of things that she discussed and sharing her story. Now I'm going to just ask Quinn just a few questions about her journey, you know, after she lost her son. So let's listen into those responses. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing that. I do have some like questions. So how are you healing and do you feel like you will ever heal from losing your son? And I say that a lot of people, and before you answer your question, a lot of people feel like mothers who have lost children aren't mothers or shouldn't call themselves mothers. But to me, you're a mother. If you have a miscarriage, if you have a child that's stillborn, if you lost a child to infant death, you're still a mother. You know, that's Mm -hmm. your child to you. You know, that child is real to you. So 
just want to put that out there to the listeners. <laughs> she is a mother. Mm-hmm. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> um, so <laughs> how are you healing? And do you ever think that you would, you're going to completely heal from this? Well, for one, I feel that healing is not a destination. It's a journey. So I'm never mm-hmm. going to like wake up and look around and be like, wow, I finally made it. Like, uh, here I am, you know. Uh, yeah. so I feel as if every day is just going to be, you know, choosing to keep my head up. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, and one of my uh, close friends, he actually said, you know, yesterday, like, you just have to, you know, redefine happiness. Like, there was happiness when you were pregnant mm-hmm. and you were expecting your son. There was happiness, um, you know, when you were with your ex. But now, like, redefine what is happiness for you. Like, what can happen? What else can happiness be? Like, happiness can be so many other things. Right. And so, um, that's why I'm choosing to do, but in terms of, like, how I'm healing, so really after uh, my son, I started looking for support groups because um, mm-hmm. I was, like, so turned off from the church, like, I didn't, I never had such a, even though I've lost friends, like, to, uh, you know, it's a lot of crazy stuff, mm-hmm. I I never got angry at God until after losing my son. Um, so I, I was, like, really turned off from the church, and I wasn't just about to go pray this away. Right. Um, so I I wanted to find like uh support groups and like therapy and unfortunately like the support groups I did find were like all the way downtown. Like I live on the south side. And so mm-hmm. the support groups I did found were like all the way downtown with the white people. Um and I attended one session and I only attended one session because after that I was like, bro, I'm not about to be around all these white people you know. Because um, all of them were in there, you know, affluent you know, coupled up, oh. and the even the I think the interesting part to me also was that it was only me and another couple that um, didn't have any children at all. There were so many other couples that are in there still mm-hmm. in support groups after losing like one child, and they had like three or four kids that are like currently being watched by a babysitter or something. You know, wow. um, so I found that very interesting and. Uh, it was, like I said, I was the only black woman, so it was it was uncomfortable mm-hmm. in that aspect as well. Because I, you know, I didn't really, I don't know, I just, I just couldn't relate to anybody else that was in the sport group. But we ended up talking more about like Mother's Day was coming up around that time, mm-hmm. um, and like how, because grief, you know, comes in waves, right? And mm-hmm. for like April, May, and June, I was definitely just angry. Like anything in terms of pregnancy, like. Because um, I still have all the baby shower gifts at my house. And so oh. I have to have, like, my friends and, like, my siblings and my family go through that stuff with me. So I was angry that I had to do that. I was, you know, angry that, you know, I had to figure out, uh, you know, how to give away the stuff, which I ended up giving away to, like, other mothers. Mm-hmm. I was angry at women that were expecting. I was angry um, at my ex. I was angry at his family. I was, I was just walking around, like, very, very angry. And so mm-hmm. I went into that support group just, like, I literally said, man, I'm like, I'm pissed. Like, I'm pissed at God. Like, I'm just, like, why, bro? Like, because I'm thinking, like, I, one thing that made me so angry was because it happened after my baby shower. So the anger was, like, really tied with embarrassment and shame mm-hmm. because yeah. here I was, you know, telling all these people, like, oh, I'm about to have this baby, I'm about to have this baby. You know, people came out of town for my baby shower. You know, I went ahead and dropped out of grad school. 
you know, like all this sort of stuff and come to find out like it actually didn't come to fruition. So I was just very angry. And mm-hmm. going into therapy um, made me more fed into just grief and mm-hmm. recognize that um, I was really angry because I didn't get what I wanted. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes that that's such a childlike anger to have. Like you're right. just angry because you didn't get what you wanted. And right. sometimes you know that's, but it's also still valid. Like I have a right. She was my therapist was encouraging me, like, yeah, you can be angry if you don't want to watch. You know, because it was like I was watching How Get Away Get Away with Murder during that time, and like This Is Us, and like it was like all the shows they kept talking about like freaking children and like babies right and yeah and i'm like yeah like what the heck like so i was literally like seeing babies everywhere yeah and i was talking to my therapist like bro like it's like is this one life has just moved on but two like nobody takes into consideration like how triggering this stuff can be like for people you know mm-hmm. um so like i said like immense therapy um but i do feel stronger like and to be honest like crying makes me feel better like once i if, if I cry about it a little bit, mm-hmm. I feel as if, like, it's a little less stone, like, rubbed off of me, like, or a little yeah. less of, like, my cocoon, because I feel like yeah. I'm between the stage of caterpillar and butterfly right now, so if he, mm-hmm. was, if he was butterfly, I guess, then I'm, like, in the cocoon, but I feel as if I'm low-key shutting it off. Yeah. Um, and so I'm getting stronger and stronger in terms of talking about the therapy helps, and, like, my family, like I said, they helped as well, like, a lot. Like my, I'm awesome. I'm grateful to have like a, an amazing supportive like brother, uh, my brother Cameron, my sister Corey, like really really uh, were there for me and like um, my family like they just you know listen to me, let me you know cry if I want to cry, yell if I want to yell, like mm-hmm. they essentially let me have the space um, that I needed and because you know it affected them too, like this right. like, you know my brother's first nephew. You know, um, and so anytime that they want to talk about it, they know that that I like talking about him. That's not something you know I don't like talking about. Yeah, so I heard you mention you went to that uh, support group, and there was you know predominantly white. Well, you said you're the only black person, so <laughs> white women were yeah. there. So do you think? Well, obviously, it's these stories and these situations aren't shared enough. You know, in the black community, like why do you think that? is like why don't black women or women of color in general share if they've had a miscarriage or experience um giving birth to a child who's stillborn or infant death i can only speak for me but Mm -hmm. i feel as if like it really does come from a place of shame i always say for me Mm -hmm. and like embarrassment because after i did share my story there were so many women black women like friends that i didn't even know had um, lost children um, oh. and even like parents like one of a parent that I know because uh, her her children and myself went to the same elementary school mm-hmm. she told me how she had like three like two or three miscarriages before she had her kids wow. and I was just like you know this is this is something that every day people really want to you know put as a Facebook status or you know right. uh, be proud to put like in their Instagram bio but mm-hmm. I think Fortunately, it is becoming normalized because, mm-hmm. like, um, it's happening uh, so often that a lot of black women are having trouble um, with fertility, like fertility issues, um, right. like birth uh, issues, like when Beyonce and even Serena Williams, like the strongest the woman in the world, yeah. still have, like, birth issues. So it's just, yeah. like, 
it really can happen, like, to anybody. Like, like I told you, like, my appointment every day up leading to that point was fine. Like, there wasn't, yeah. you, can, you can really do everything, quote, unquote, right? Mm-hmm. And it can still happen. Um, but I think, like I said, I don't know if we really talk about it because we're ashamed. Um, or if it's, you know, people really do uh, just want to keep it buried. Like, mm-hmm. I think um, the older, like our parents, like they don't really like, they live in a very hush-hush type of generation. Where yeah. Like, oh, what yeah. happens in the family, stay in the family. Even yeah. when it comes to like sexual abuse, you know, molestation, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, trauma such as losing babies. Uh, everything else like that. But I feel like in our generation, the millennials, we're like, no, if I share my story, then that's going to empower somebody else to share yeah. theirs. And so it's like we feel we have that itchiness in our throat. That's like I have to tell somebody, mm-hmm. you know, like this happened. And the only reason why, like, I even posted about my son was because I know for a fact that if my son was alive, like, y'all would see him, like, every day. Right. On my Facebook, <laughs> on my Instagram, on my Twitter, like, yeah. every day. So it's like I still have that right, you know, right. to talk about uh, my child, even though I'm not raising him. God is, you know, raising him now. Right. Uh, but like I still have that right to do so. And what what is your son's yeah. name? He didn't. I didn't hear you mention oh, his David name. Clinton, uh-huh. David Clinton, uh, K W Y N T O N. My uh-huh. mother came up with that middle name too. Because um, at first I just I always wanted a son and I always wanted him to be a junior named after the father because I just love juniors like uh-huh. I love <laughs> I love legacies I love like family uh, bonds and names and uh-huh. she's like what about Clinton and I was like it was like Clinton but then I was like huh <laughs> okay Clinton you know but the way it spells like Clinton like so uh-huh. I already knew if he was gonna be called like it was gonna be that one white lady who's gonna be like oh Clinton. Blind time, like he's gonna have to correct him. So that's why I love teachers like David for the very so uh-huh. even when he applied for like resumes, he was still gonna get that job. Right. Name. David K. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I trust I understand. My first name is Nikea. So I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> and that picture you shared of him was on Instagram. I think that's the one I thought was so beautiful. And I remember seeing that picture posted and I looked at it and I was like, oh, this is such a beautiful baby. And then I read the caption. I was like, what? No, she was like about to have like this baby. Like he's not alive. And I was just like, I could not imagine, you know, having to experience that. And that's what led me to like read the story that you shared about. And I was just, I remember riding in the car with my boyfriend, like reading it on my phone and I was like in tears. And I, he was like, what's wrong? I was like, I'm just reading a story about this person I follow on Instagram and she lost her son. I just, oh my God. So I just think it's so beautiful that you're able to share your story and you're willing to share your story and that you are still like choosing to survive this and live and not crawl into a hole and just give up. And like, I see everything you post. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think to myself, like, man, I wish I was in Chicago so I could go support her. Like, I just, it's just so dope. <laughs> Everything that you're doing is just so dope. Like you're still living and then you're still honoring your son. And I know he is just looking down, smiling on you like, go mommy, go mommy. <laughs> <You're> just... <laughs> I hope he is. I think about that like all the time. I'm like, I hope we don't think, you know, because sometimes even now when I curse, I'm like, dang, like, I'm sorry, Quentin. I shouldn't even that. Like, let me, let me go ahead and like apologize. Like, let me go ahead and get my life together. <laughs> 
I know you're looking down at me like, mom, I go to work. I do hear him say, like, get up and, like, mm-hmm. get out the house. Because it, it really is, like, it was really that time between, like, April, May, and June. I was still really, like, in my hole, I guess you could mm-hmm. say, um, in my darkness. And mm-hmm. now I can confidently say, like, I, at least I'm embracing, like, the light. So, like, the hole is still right there. Like, it's right. not gone. But, <laughs> yes. like, I'm still choosing, like, to walk up the stairs to, like, feel the light, like, on my cheeks and, like, on my son. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just, like, recognizing that um, there's still so much, like, to live. And mm-hmm. I'm meeting, in addition to, like, meeting mothers who have uh, lost children, I'm meeting children, like, friends of mine who were born after their parents, you know, mm-hmm. have lost a child. So mm-hmm. that's really inspiring to me because I know for a fact, like, now I want to have kids. So mm-hmm. it's just like, wow, like, your parents are still able to have a child after they had a newborn? Like, yes. Like, I mean, it just gives me so much more hope. It's like, oh, I'm going to have a second child. Like, Quint is going right. to be, you know, a, a bigger brother, like an older brother. Aww. Like, it's just, you know, um, one day it's going to happen, and the next time I do get pregnant, I'm not going to have, like, any stress. I'm not going to be in a toxic, uh, emotionally abusive relationship. Right. Like, I'm going to, I know I'm going to be, like, so much more happy. I'm going to make sure that I am, like, essentially. Right. uh, I'm not going to try to change anything about it. Um, And, you know, hopefully, God willing, that he'll bless me again like you did the first time that's so awesome thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing with our listeners mm-hmm. do you want to give a shameless plug to your website or anything yeah. like that <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I'm, su- I'm supporting you plugging it go ahead and plug away <laughs> um so yeah, yeah you guys can just follow me at chronology so it's k-w-y as in yellow N-O-L-O-G-Y. And that is also the URL for my website, which is quinology.com. And like I said, I'm coming out with a book next week on my birthday, so shout out to Scorpios um, <laughs> on November 8th. And you'll be able to purchase And She Will on Amazon and everywhere else. So, so thank you so much for this opportunity, so Roar. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. You all, thank you for tuning in to another episode. I know this one is a heavy episode and not something that people want to talk about, but it's something that needs to be discussed. I personally have never experienced losing a child, but I know people who have. And a lot of times in order to get through something, you need to know that you have someone that has also been through it and maybe they can help you get through it as well. Um, Even with just being pregnant, if it's your first time being pregnant and you've never done it, you often go to people who have experienced it before. So one thing that Quinn mentioned that was very shocking to me, I know this was two years ago and I don't know if this is still the case now, but support groups for people who have lost children, be it a miscarriage or a stillbirth or be it infant death or from complications after birth. I hope that now or in the future that there will be and that there are more groups for black women specifically to talk about what it is like to lose a child and to have support through that and after that because I'm sure as Quinn mentioned it takes a toll on your body physically, mentally and emotionally and it's a grieving process and although I've never lost a child I recently lost my grandmother and that grieving process has been up and down it's very fluid it's not stagnant just as Quinn mentioned some days you go just fine and 
you think about the person and you're okay and then some days like me on Thanksgiving day, I was pouring ice into a bucket and I started crying uncontrollably. Definitely there needs to be support groups for women and parents who have experienced child loss um, so they can cope with it and deal with it and get through it. And again, just as Quinn mentioned, there's people, there's celebrities who have experienced this. You know, people may have been shocked to see that Beyonce experienced losing a child. One of the women that we see to be so fit and so wealthy and, you know, above everything that regular people may go through but this is something that she experiences as well so it's not just regular folks who experience these things this this experience can touch everybody and most recently we've seen the news um Chrissy Teigen who has experienced child loss so I'm going to put some resources that I find and some information in the description box if anybody's looking for support looking for help or just looking for more research and understanding on the topic I will put some reputable links in the description box for you to check out and if you would like to share your story please feel free to do so in the comment section you can reach out to me on my facebook page at motherhood in black podcast also on instagram at motherhood in black and on twitter at momhood in black and we also have an email which is motherhoodinblack at gmail.com